0: Things ...to pray about um, this morning. Of course, the Ukrainian crisis is foremost in our minds. And uh, I'm sure it's a lot more convoluted and complex than it's been presented in the press. But my concern, of course, is with the innocent people, the innocent lives that are dragged into this. So that's who I want to pray for as well as, of course, praying that wisdom would prevail, and that um, hostilities would cease. We also uh, need to pray for Linda, do we have an update? Stacy how have you been so yes 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 absolutely Stacy how have you been okay I thought it was I thought you'd been sick but Maybe not. No, you're back. Okay. Well, we'll pray for you back. Any other prayer requests this morning? Yes. Okay. Yes. Sure. Yeah, that's a big one. Yes. That's right. She is. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's all pray together, shall we? Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you, we know that we come to the King of creation and the ruler over history. We know, that, Father, that you have seen uh, nations rise and nations fall. You have seen innumerable wars. You have seen so much innocent uh, bloodshed. You've seen the stain of sin spread and spread throughout history. But Father, Lord, we know that you, you hear prayer. And even though there's just a few of us gathered here, Lord, we join our prayers with so many people throughout the world as well as in Ukraine and in Russia. And we pray, Heavenly Father, for the people. We pray, Lord, that you would intervene to stop this, um, this war. We pray, Lord, for wisdom for those who make decisions that impacts so many lives. Father, we do not, um, we do not expect that these people will turn to you. And so we ask, Father, that you will influence them by circumstances, by Um, just visiting upon them a wisdom from outside. We pray that opportunities for escape will be afforded to innocent lives. We pray that those who are trapped, Father, would be protected and that they would be able to find food and shelter. We ask, Lord, that you would indeed have mercy on these people. Whatever is behind this uh, conflict, Heavenly Father, um, we pray that you would stop the, uh, those uh, men who are plotting, those people that are trying to uh, to get their gain out of it. So intercede, Heavenly Father. We know, Lord, that um, when you act, Lord, man can't stop it. It doesn't matter who his name is how much power he thinks he's got. Lord, nothing in your sight. And so in Jesus' name we ask for your divine intervention. We pray, Lord, also for those that are having uh, operations this week or soon. We pray, uh, Lord, for Dorothy. We pray, um, Heavenly Father, for... Um, I forgot her name. What's her name? Debbie's. And for her operation. For those that, Lord, are recovering, like Stacy, or those that, um, Lord, have ongoing health issues, please bless them and put your hand on them. I pray for Roy and for Jim Garza. And we ask, Lord, for Linda, that, Lord, you would. Make her passage into your kingdom, into your heaven, a peaceful one, a blessed one. Pray for Steve, Lord, as he teaches um, over this weekend that you would be with him. Give him your words. May they reach out. And, Heavenly Father, we we ask that you now would, would teach your word through me. Help us, Heavenly Father, to see something of what it is to be in Christ. In his name, amen. If you would turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter six. We are coming to the end of our series on the sanctified life. And uh, we are returning to the subject of of actually everyday living, thinking within the context of our salvation and what that means and our new relationship to Jesus. Remember that there is a connection between who we are as Christians, if we are indeed Christians, and who we will be in glory and forever. If this morning I'm addressing somebody who has not trusted in Jesus. Then I hope that the Lord would speak to you through these words and understand more of the fact that Christianity is not a religion, it's something we do. Christianity is a relationship with the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has done what we could not do. He has, He has made forgiveness available to us. Forgiveness from God so that when we stand before God he has nothing against us because Jesus has taken it away. In Romans chapter 6, Paul turns from dealing with the details of the gospel and on uh, salvation by grace through faith in Jesus to how we should live And uh, I want to begin our reading with verse 5 and continue to verse 14, although we will be concentrating on verses 11 through 13 this morning. Paul says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, You also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God. As being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall have no dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Now this passage is, uh, of course, with a lot of Paul's teachings quite a lot involved in in this and uh, my hope is at some point lord willing perhaps later in the year to begin a series of sermons on the book of romans but the basic starting point of uh, of paul in this passage when he's dealing with the way that we should be and the way that we should think of ourselves in relation to god is <coughs> excuse me is that when we trusted in jesus When we confessed that we in and ourselves are not good enough and never will be good enough, that our thoughts aren't good enough, that our daily actions aren't good enough, that our religiousness isn't good enough, that our heart of gold, as we uh, sometimes refer to ourselves, is not really a heart of gold, it's fool's gold, that we're not really good people. Well, we might be good people if we compare ourselves with ourselves, but you know what? What's the use of that? What's the use of comparing one rotten apple with a dozen other rotten apples? They're all rotten, aren't they? What we need to do is to compare ourselves with what God in His holiness and His righteousness and His justice requires. And then we see that we fall short. Then we see that we need a Savior. Then we see that the righteousness, the holiness that God requires has got to be given to us. We're not capable of manufacturing it ourselves. Now certainly, we can... Because we've been given the Holy Spirit, and as we'll see in a minute, we've been connected to the life that is in the risen Christ. We don't sit idly by either. But as far as being right with God, as far as uh, passing the test of God's judgment and God's righteousness, he's got to see not our goodness and our righteousness, he's got to see the righteousness of Jesus Upon us. And that is the Christian gospel. Now what that means. In another way of. of, uh, Dealing with this. Is that as he says in verse 8. We died with Christ. We died with Christ. Once we trusted in Christ. We died with him. What does that mean? Well, it means that uh, God puts our sin, our old natures, our old selves—he puts it to death, as it were, on the cross of Christ. And that old person, that unbeliever, that good old boy, is now gone. The door's been closed on that. The book has been closed and sealed. It's not going to be opened again. But we didn't just die with Christ so that our sins were punished in him. Now we are connected to the life of the risen Christ. And this is what Paul wants us to understand. It's not just that God has forgiven us with a wave of the hand and say, okay, it's okay. now," And we don't have any kind of change that happens to us from then on. There has been a change. The Spirit of God has been given to us. Paul is going to say that you are no longer under sin and its demands and its requirements. You don't have to yield to it. I mean, we do, don't we? We always find that kind of easy to do. But you don't have to. You can yield yourselves to righteousness. You can yield yourselves to God and to his spirit. That is the life of sanctification. And so Paul here continues... In verse 10, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. Jesus doesn't have to die again and again and again for our sins. Once will do. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Okay. Now, if we're connected, therefore, to this life in the resurrected Christ, that means that our lives will be lives that also are lived to God. Do you see? It can't be to ourselves. Now that in itself is not a popular message in the modern church. Modern church is that God just wants to, again, affirm you, make you feel good about yourselves, and will leave you alone. But he won't. He has requirements. His requirements are that we live to God in the power of Jesus' life, which means in the power of his sinless life, in the power of his holy life. Not that we'll ever be sinless in this life, but we yield ourselves up to him so that we can walk in righteousness and holiness. And then we come to our verse. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves, count yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. But alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Look at those last few words in verse 11. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. The Christian... This is my first point. The Christian is in Christ. Paul likes to use this term, in Christ, and he has a different uh, different kinds of ways that he means depending on the context. But the basic idea in Paul of this uh, this phrase, in Christ, is that we are in the sphere of Christ and his life. Remember, the old person, the old sinner has gone. And our connection also to sinful humanity as far as God is concerned, and our connection to sinful Adam and his fall, that's gone too. So there's no, there's no ground there, there's no, there's nowhere to go back to. So where are we now? Where we are now is, as Paul says, in this sphere, this location of being in Christ. Now, in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, Paul says, As in Adam all die, so in Christ all shall be made alive. Now, we are not literally in Adam as far as inserted into Uh, the person, the human being called Adam. But we are in him, if we are not uh, born again, we are in him as far as our connection with him. We stem from him. And stemming from him is not good when we're trying to be right with God. It makes us human beings but it also makes us fallen human beings. And that's a big problem. So we need to be taken out of Adam and we need to be put into another Adam, a new Adam, one that is not connected with the fall and therefore sin and death. And so Christ is that connection. Do you see? You're not in Adam anymore if you're a believer. You are in Christ. Now, that is a great cause of celebration. God doesn't see you with that sinful lineage anymore. He sees you with Christ's righteous and holy lineage. But you and I know very well that we don't find walking in holiness very easy. We find that the old habits, the old ways of thinking, the old ways of responding and reacting, the old issues with pride are still very much there. Now, we're not held captive by them as we were before because we've been connected to Christ, but we have a choice We have a responsibility. We might even say we have an obligation. As those connected with the life of Christ. To live in a way that comports with that calling. Being not in Adam, but in Christ. Look at uh, chapter 5. And verse 2, and we'll look at, uh, I'll I'll start from verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, so this is written to the Christian who's been justified, we have peace with God. God is no longer taking up arms against us. He no longer is going to punish us and sentence us for our sins. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Isn't that an interesting turn of phrase? In which we stand. We need to remind ourselves of that, that that we, if we've trusted in Jesus, then we are surrounded, I, 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 not sure how we uh, we illustrate this other than pictorially, but it's like we are surrounded by this sphere of grace in which we live our lives. Now, this is not grace to be taken for granted. This is not grace that says God will um, just look over every sin that we commit, and Paul deals with that in chapter 6. This is the grace of God by which we know that we're secure in Christ. Christ has taken our place. Christ has given us his Holy Spirit. God the Father has adopted us into his family. That's all grace. And God puts up with us now as Sons, daughters. And sometimes to put up with sons and daughters is difficult. Is it not? We just wish that our sons and our daughters would just simply obey. Would just simply do what we tell them to do. I don't, why, why are you laughing at that? And why, why do you think? It's because we're all familiar with the fact that There's a lot to put up with. And God has a great deal to put up with with us. How does he do it? Grace. Grace. Our sins have been placed on Jesus Christ and God overlooks those sins, those thoughts, those actions, those misdeeds that we commit every day. So we're in the sphere of grace. We are in Christ. Second Corinthians 5.17 reminds us, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He makes them new. We need to realize that they're new. We need to react to that newness. We don't want to treat that newness that we have, that access that we have to God in Christ as oldness. Taking it for granted not realizing the treasure that we have. So this is what it means to say that the Christian is in Christ. That's the location. That's the sphere that we need to be in. If we're outside of Christ, then we are in great danger, great peril. But Paul here is concerned not just with being in the right sphere, but acting the way we ought to act, living the way we ought to live in that sphere. Because it demands of us a new way of thinking and a new way of living. Verse 12 says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. Now that's a logical connotation which comes out of verse 11 and being made alive to God in Christ Jesus, you see? Because if we're alive to God in the power of his new life, we're connected to that new life, we're not resurrected yet, of course, but we will be by that same connection, then our lives and our outlooks need to be dictated by that great reality. We're alive to God and we need to be alive to God. We need to live in a way that's alive to God. And I want to remind you of the memory verse that Steve has been shoving down our throats the last <laughs> few weeks in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. There's, there's the uh, death with Christ. It is no longer I who live. That's no longer the sinner with his own priorities and his own way of judging himself. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ lives in me. If Christ lives in you, then you're alive to God. And your connection with God is a no holes barred connection. I mean, Hebrews tells us that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. The high priest couldn't do that. I mean, he could come once a year with an offering for his sin. He could stay a short while, but then he better get out of there. Once a year, we can come any time we wish. In fact, we are bidden to come. He wants us to come. And when we come in prayer, when we come in service, that's us evidencing our life in God. Christians are different. Why are they different? Well, because they have this outlook, they have this purpose, this goal, this new rule of living. And so, Paul says, therefore, if that's true, we're not to let sin reign in our mortal bodies. We shouldn't obey it. Now, let's be clear here. It's not that sin is not a powerful adversary. It's not that sin is not a subtle foe. I am so well aware of the presence of sin always there, always lurking, always influencing my thoughts and my reactions. And When I look at my life, my Christian life of now some uh, ooh, nearly 30 years, I look at the Slow progress, <laughs> the bit of maturity, as it were, the uh, the lack of christ likeness that there isn 't it it 's a daily struggle because every day we have to do this, every day we have to think in this new way and say to sin. You are not going to reign over me. I hear your voice. Sometimes I hear it ringing in my ears. And I feel through my body and through my five senses, I feel the influence and the impulse of sin dragging me into uh, its lair. But I don't need to yield to its temptation. Being tempted is not a sin. Jesus was tempted, but he never sinned. You may have temptations, and you do, (laughs) have temptations to sin, don't you? But you and I, we don't have to yield to them. Sometimes it takes a great deal of effort Sometimes we find ourselves failing. Well, often. But ongoingly, it certainly is a huge help when we realize who we are, where we are. We're not in Adam, we're in Christ, we're under grace. And therefore, In verse 13, we are to present ourselves to God. This is where the choice comes in. Do not present your members, that's our bodies, our mortal body in verse 12. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. You say, well, I'm not aware that, you know, I'm my body, my arms my legs are are actually sinning themselves oh yeah but they take you there don't they I mean they're definitely accomplices I mean you know they make you watch that uh, or at least they uh, they aid you in watching that sinful program flicking open that worthless book going to that bar or going to that place where your influences are purely worldly of keeping you away from places where you can meet with people that struggle and recognize what it is to be a Christian in a sinful world keep you away from prayer Keep you away from Bible reading? Oh, yes, that's the body. And you can present that body as an instrument to sin. When you do that, then all of a sudden, these fingers don't work very well when it comes to this book. The eyes no longer kind of, they see it maybe on the shelf, but they pass by and look at something else. Instruments to sin. That's a choice. Is it not? It's a choice. Now, I'm not here, if I'm making you feel bad about yourself... I'm, don't apologize. Okay, I feel bad up here saying these things to you because I know I'm guilty of it. I hope you feel bad too. Because in feeling bad about it, then you are poised, hopefully, for the good news and for the right perspective, which is to present yourself to God. There's always the answer right there. Present yourself to God and... As being alive from the dead. Connected with his life. Do you see? Connected with that reality. And your members as instruments of righteousness to God. I mean, if we're rightly connected to God, all of a sudden these fingers work better when it comes to this book. They can pick it up and open it and the eyes can read it. Hallelujah. Depends who we choose to serve. One of these yieldings, one of these presentations makes sense of who we are as Christians. One of them contradicts it. If you are a Christian and you have the Holy Spirit and God has forgiven you and you are in in his grace, then it makes no sense for you to yield your body to unrighteousness. And you need to tell yourself that. This is irrational. It doesn't make any sense. It's wrong. It makes sense of me to turn to God. And so I want to close by saying this. Once we've sinned, once we've messed up, we've lost our temper, we've, we've said something that we regret, we've stepped over the mark, well, we've probably stepped over five or six marks, okay, so we're way beyond where we should be. We have to humble ourselves, but we must never, ever think That we're outside of God's grace. We must never tell ourselves the lie, which Satan wants us to believe, that God is cross with us and God will not hear us. That we must somehow save ourselves by works again. Prove ourselves that we're good people so that God will hear our prayers. No because we're in this realm of Christ because of uh, grace because we're in Christ we turn we repent we change our minds we see clearly that we're in sin and we confess it to God and we move on now if that avenue was not open to us there'd be no hope We'd just break fellowship with God every day and there'd be no way of getting back. There wouldn't be enough hours in the day to put things right. We would get further and further and further away from his goodness and his grace. No, you need to understand what Satan doesn't want you to understand, which is this wonderful fact, that because you're alive to God in Christ Jesus, you can turn, you can confess your sin, and you can be right again, right there. And then you can choose again to yield yourself to God, to present yourselves to God, to live a sanctified life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would accept our thanks for the grace that surrounds us, for the fact that you've placed us in Christ and in his new life, that our old selves are not counted and seen by you. We know, Lord, that there is so much in our lives, so many thoughts, so much weakness, so much that doesn't savor of Christ. In our thoughts and our actions but Father we confess to you our sins and we know Lord that you will help us as we present ourselves to you to live in a way that conforms with the reality the sphere that you've saved us into bless us, help us to do that Lord, we depend upon you we pray, Lord, as we leave this place and we go and fellowship together and eat together, you bless the food, that you bless our fellowship. Bless everyone here, Lord, for this week. In Jesus' name, amen.